and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 8th September 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, the rise of Novo Nordisk, senior level changes at Novartis, Moderna's progress against BA286, major new CNS drugs coming, and Boehringer Ingelheim's head of innovation on R&D priorities. The rise and rise of Novo Nordisk continues on the back of insatiable demand for its diabetes and obesity drugs Ozempic and Mugovi, and last week it passed a remarkable milestone by becoming Europe's most valuable company. The Danish firm overtook France's luxury goods giant LMVH on 5th September, its market cap reaching $428 billion, a valuation which has doubled in the last two years thanks to the runaway success of the drugs. Andrew McConaughey writes. Both brands are based on GLP-1 agonist semaglutide, but the obesity treatment of Govi is seen as the real game-changer, especially after last month's readout from its Phase 3 Select study. The trial of 17,000 participants showed that semaglutide reduced the risk of major cardiovascular events by 20% in people who are overweight or obese, a result which far exceeded expectations. The cardiovascular benefits could broaden its use hugely and gain acceptance from US payers. Key to this would be adoption by Medicare, which does not reimburse weight loss only drugs, but does pay for those with cardiovascular outcomes data. More encouraging results followed later last month with phase three success in treating heart failure, while pivotal studies in numerous other therapy areas are in progress. Bogovi's sales already stand at $2.6 billion for the first half of 2023, up 150% on the same period last year, and analysts expect these figures to go through the roof in years to come, especially as Novo expands its manufacturing capacity to address the current shortages of the drug. Analysts see Novo leading a revolution in treatment of obesity and cardiovascular disease and have repeatedly raised their forecasts for the field. Consensus data compiled by Evaluate forecast that semaglutide across Ozempic, Wagovi and oral version Ribelsis will earn more than $41 billion by 2028. However, there remain plenty of obstacles in the road, especially from payers who will balk at spending billions on obesity therapies and physicians who could remain cautious about the drug's benefits. There are also plenty of doctors who remain sceptical about the long-term benefits of the drugs in the real world, especially as individuals tend to put weight back on after stopping treatment. A report from pharmacy benefits manager Prime Therapeutics in July found around two-thirds of patients had stopped taking the drug after 12 months. Novo's most immediate problem is a lack of capacity to meet demand. It's not disclosing much information about how long this will take to resolve, saying only that it will have expanded output threefold by the end of 2023 compared with last year. One of Novartis's top commercial executives, Marie-France Studin, is departing the company after nearly seven years, including three years as president of the pharmaceutical division. Most recently, after a corporate restructuring in 2022, Sudin has overseen the international business as president of the Innovative Medicines International Unit and chief commercial officer. 
Jessica Merrill writes, Sudin will be succeeded by an executive from outside the company, AbbVie's president, immunology, Patrick Horber, effective later this year. CFO International, Mukul Mehta, will lead the unit in the interim until Horber assumes the role. Sudin has been responsible for overseeing anchor brands as well as new launches. She assumed the pharmaceutical president role in June 2019 and oversaw the pharmaceuticals unit during the challenging period caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Last year, however, she changed roles amid a broader reorganisation at Novartis intended to streamline operations and remove duplication of certain business functions. The reorganisation included the elimination of 8,000 jobs. Novartis streamlined its management structure at the same time, combining its oncology and pharmaceutical business units and separating oversight into US and international segments. Tudin took over leadership of the international segment, while Victor Bulto assumed oversight of the US. Huber's experience in immunology will be welcome, given AbbVie's entrenched leadership in the therapeutic area across a wide range of indications with Humira and newer additions including Skyrizi and Rinvoc. He's been responsible for leading the global strategy and US execution of the immunology business unit, including global commercial development. Novartis' Cosentix is one of the company's top-selling drugs, but the brand is maturing and facing increasing competitive headwinds, so sales growth has moderated, with growth of just 1% in the second quarter. Moderna may have an edge in the 2023-24 COVID-19 season, with clinical trial data showing that the latest version of its vaccine protects against BA.286, an emerging subvariant that may be able to evade immunity from earlier COVID-19 vaccines as well as prior infection, giving it the first clinical evidence on efficacy against the subvariant. Laurit Diamond writes, the biotech company said on 6th September that its updated vaccine generated an 8.7-fold increase in neutralizing antibodies against the SARS-CoV-2 Omicron subvariant BA.286, also known as Pirola, which the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has said may be more likely to break through existing immunity from prior vaccination or infection. The data also showed up to an 11-fold increase in neutralizing antibodies against other circulating variants, including EG5 and FL151. A renewed surge in infections and the emergent BA.286 variants are reminders that COVID-19 is likely here to stay, even if products to combat it don't generate the enormous revenues they did before. Moderna anticipates $6 billion to $8 billion in sales in 2023, compared with the $19.3 billion it took in last year. BioNTech's revenues have declined sharply as well, with the company reporting 1.4 billion euros for the first half of the year, compared with 9.6 billion euros in the first half of 2022. Moderna, along with rivals Pfizer and partner BioNTech, as well as Novavax, have been gearing up for the 2023-24 coronavirus season, with a particular focus on the latest Omicron subvariants. In general, the companies are forecasting that demand in the US for COVID-19 vaccines will fall in the range of 50 million to 100 million doses. Moderna has already submitted the updated version of its vaccine to the US FDA and European Medicines Agency. Pfizer-BioNTech have done the same, 
and Novavax is in the process of submitting to global regulators as well. But while the latest vaccines have shown activity against the prevalent XBB strains of Omicron, the BA286 variant especially has drawn attention, given that it has more than 30 mutations compared with previous Omicron strains, and consequently some governments have sought to accelerate vaccination campaigns given BA286's potential to break through existing immunity. Pfizer-BioNTech, meanwhile, have preclinical data indicating the latest version of their vaccine has activity against the new subvariant as well. Pfizer continues to closely monitor emerging variants and conduct tests of the updated Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 XBB15 monovalent vaccine against those variants, the drugmaker told Scrip. Drugs that act on the central nervous system are notoriously difficult to bring to market, with unpredictable placebo responses scuppering many a late-stage trial. But there are some sparks in the darkness, and Biomedtracker has pinpointed four psychiatric or neurological products that are likely to back the trend and reach market next year, Elizabeth Cairns writes. Corona Therapeutics Combo Therapy, CAR-XT, if it is approved next year, as expected, would usher in the first new mechanism to treat schizophrenia in decades. CAR-XT is a co-formulation of the M1-M4 preferring muscarinic agonist, Xanomelin, with trospium chloride, a peripheral muscarinic receptor antagonist. In its two pivotal trials, Emergent 2 and 3, both in acutely psychotic, hospitalised adults with schizophrenia, CAR-XT produced statistically significant reductions on the PAN's total score that compared well with many other antipsychotics. Corona plans to submit an NDA in the next few months, so an FDA approval decision ought to come in 2024. Data from two Phase 3 long-term safety and tolerability trials are also expected next year. A new mechanism could also make its debut next year in depression. J&J is developing Celtorexant, a hypocretin orexin 2 receptor antagonist for patients with major depressive disorder and insomnia. Two phase 3 trials are ongoing, one head-to-head against AstraZeneca's Seroquel and another against placebo. Data from both could come this year. Should the two ongoing phase 3 studies come up trumps, J&J could submit an NDA before the end of 2023 with the intention of a 2024 launch. Meanwhile, intracellular therapies first obtained approval for Kleplita in schizophrenia in 2019 and expanded into bipolar disorder, specifically bipolar depression, two years later. Now it hopes to add a claim for MDD and much will depend on the three near-identical placebo-controlled phase 3 trials currently underway. Like other atypical antipsychotics, Caplita, which has the generic name Lumateperone, modulates both serotonin and other monoamines, particularly dopamine, although its exact mechanism of action is unknown. Intracellular has indicated that it plans to file an SNDA in 2024 and an approval decision could come the same year. Bearing in mind the design of the trials, however, Kaplita could well be relegated to refractory patients. Finally, Takeda's Hycuvia is a formulation of recombinant human hyaluronidase and immunoglobulins, 
which is subcutaneously infused. It's intended as a maintenance therapy in adult patients with chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy and could be approved next year and would become the first monthly subcutaneous immunoglobulin injection on the market. The current standard of care for CIDP is intravenous immunoglobulin, which must be administered over several hours every three weeks. Finally, like many of its large pharma peers, Boehringer Ingelheim likes to talk about its lofty R&D goals and sourcing external innovation to stay on the cutting edge of therapeutic modalities, target discovery and validation, and ways to hit those targets. But as a privately held and family-owned pharma company, BI has advantages over its peers in terms of being able to take a measured path to drug development without the pressure of shareholder demands or quarterly earnings presentations. Boehringer Ingelheim is diversified in terms of therapeutic areas of focus similar to a big pharma and is able to set its own narrative about addressing unmet medical needs and tapping into innovation through a variety of partnering approaches. Michel Pyre, who's global head of BI's innovation unit, told Script during a wide-ranging interview that BI maintains a goal that 75% of its pipeline candidates be first-in-class assets and that 75% have breakthrough therapy potential. Over the past two years, the company's pipeline candidates have received five breakthrough therapy designations and eight fast-track designations from the US FDA. To add to the success it's experienced with recent launches of its pulmonary fibrosis drug OFEV, type 2 diabetes and the heart failure drug Jardiance in partnership with Eli Lilly and Skyrizy, a rising autoimmune blockbuster it had licensed to AbbVie in 2016. BI now is focused on novel therapies and a handful of label expansion efforts in cardiorenal and metabolic disease, inflammation and respiratory disease and cancer. We select therapeutic areas of focus based on the diseases where we see the highest unmet patient need. Second, we emphasise where, based on our existing capabilities, but also emerging science externally, we see the possibility that we can address these diseases competitively, Pyre explained. Diseases with the highest patient need are always at the core of everything we do. Now, BI is pursuing label expansions into renal disease and other cardiovascular indications for Jardiance and has recently launched Spevigo, internally discovered, and the first approved therapy to treat generalised pustular psoriasis flares. It is nearly ready for filing in prevention of GPP flares. The label expansion effort for Jardiance is being conducted in partnership with Lilly and has already resulted in a new indication for a heart failure with preserved or reduced ejection fraction. BI achieved another of its label expansion goals on 25th July, as the European Union approved Jardiance for the treatment of adults with chronic kidney disease. But where BI is building upon strength with Jardiance and pioneering a disease area with Spavigo, its R&D strategy is also leading it to compete in heavily competitive areas such as the burgeoning obesity arena and HER2-mediated cancer. Its dual GLP-1 glucose receptor agonist, Servodutide, partnered with Zeeland Pharma, has shown impressive weight loss potential in Phase 2 studies, 
but will face a high bar in trying to compete with Novo Nordisk's Wagovi and likely soon Lily's Munjaro, as well as other pipeline contenders. Pyre also talks about BI's cancer ambitions in targeted therapies, immuno-oncology, and novel mechanisms or new approaches to known pathways in the wide-ranging interview. So check out the story in full for all of the details. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for joining us. All the stories mentioned here are linked below and form just a small part of Scripps' global coverage last week. Log in to access all of our content or sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.